Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. Today I'm talking with Jason. He is the podcaster behind the Esoteric Book Club. Hello, Jason. Hey, weirdos. Hey, how's it going? Going pretty good. Well, great. So fellow West Virginia weirdo, um, even though I'm an expatriate, I expatriated to Ohio, which isn't very far, but, <laughs> you know... Whatever yeah, it's the happens. Ohio Valley, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm in the extended Ohio Valley region. Uh, so when did you start being interested in the weirdo- weirdness and the weirdos and the things? Man, this is a great story. It goes all the way back to when I was a child. And as a child of the 80s, they had coloring books literally for everything. And one of the things was, uh, you know, cryptids and the paranormal. And I think actually UFOs was even one of them. And I remember seeing the Flatwoods monster in there. And granted, the illustration for that was nothing like Braxy that we've got today, but it still piqued my interest. Excellent. Yeah, I remember some of the UFO ones from the 80s. But by the time the 80s had rolled around, I was out of coloring books. And and what because I was in high school in the eighties and you know yeah. I was I was doing like my own drawings and stuff so but I do remember seeing a UFO coloring book at the grocery store so I'm, I'm yeah with you on and that. in hindsight the uh, the the Flatwoods monster illustration was just terrible it talked about how they went up on the hill and the illustration was like a pitcher's mound. And the illustration of Braxy was a hovering, like floating reptilian Oh, with its tongue hanging out, but it was hovering like a Macy's Day float. Oh. Yeah, oh. it was horrible. No, that's terrible. That's, that's, yeah. I don't like that. No, like not at all. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Um, and, you know, you're like the third person who said that their first big love was the Flatwoods monster. And, and that just makes me so happy. Um, because it's, it's one of the weirdest sort of shaped and colored entity creature UFO thing, you know, whatever it is, you know, robot UFO thing, hallucination. Well, I think that's what makes it work. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so unique that you can't forget that image. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, I love that there were like these kids and one of the moms went. How many times do you hear about moms climbing? And, and the whole idea of a pitcher's mound. People have not <laughs> been to Braxton County, the person who drew that, because those hills are big. <laughs> oh, know? yeah. And steep. Very yes. steep. Yes. Super steep, but she had she went with the kids and they took flashlights. Um, you know, she was she was ready. And yeah. uh but the but the the fog people tend to forget about the fog, the poisonous, mm-hmm. bad smelling, whatever it was that made the dog sick and the people sick. Um I love that story. And uh I think it's great that now we have little you know people are making these drawings and figurines and plushies of the flatwoods monster um right along with mothman 
um, because, again, it's just an iconic image at this point. One of the things that really blew my mind about the Flatwoods monster specifically is, oddly enough, how much the Japanese are into it. Yeah. And I have no idea why. You can find toys with Braxy, like, scaled up to fight Godzilla. Oh, but wow. They are just obsessed with that creature for some reason. Well, you know, the way that our modern take on it has come, it kind of looks feminine mm -hmm. because it has that pinched in, quote unquote, waist, whatever, you know, trunk, whatever. And then it has the flared out part that looks kind of like a skirt. It kind of has a little bit of the Dalek to it. Like, oh, yeah. you know, that, that whole hovering exterminate thing, you know, it has <laughs> glowing eyes because of course it does. And then that pointy hood-like business on the top of the head. And it just has a compelling shape. And I think that that's part of why the Japanese, you know, latch onto it because that particular sort of female shape, you can, you can cutify, you can make it kawaii, or you can make it scary and and you can have that whole gamut of different shapes and and sizes and and everything and it's really cool i think my favorite ones are the ones they have in the museum and they're like these transparent they almost look like gummy bears but it's the flatwoods monster they're about three to four inches tall and their their eyes are bugging out they've got beady little eyes and their mouths are open and they have these peg-like teeth Oh, wow. And it I like reminds that. me almost of Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I went there to With the those festival. Teeth, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A few years ago, I went to the Bigfoot Festival, which is in the same town. And I made sure to take a picture of every single one of those that they had in the display case. That's amazing. I, I just, and it makes me happy because it's not like little towns in West Virginia have much reason for anybody to go there. Like, you know, mm -hmm. if you fly over West Virginia, I've told people this for decades, that there's parts of it that looks like there's no people at all. Well, you for know, the most part, parts of it are. There are no people at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but, you know, there are towns down there in some of those places, but you're not going to know it unless you fly over it at night. And even then, there's probably not enough light to tell. Oh, yeah. You know, unless and you're really coming in for a landing. And really, there's places that are a no-fly zone, sort of like uh, Green Bank Observatory. Yeah. Uh, they don't even have cell phones. Whoa, sorry about that. <laughs> that was a computer making a noise there. That was weird. Uh, I didn't actually hear it, so don't worry about it. Oh, it was all in my headphones. Great. Oh, more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, Green Bank, it's a no-fly zone, so you're not going to get any airplane noise, anything like that. You're not going to hear cell phones going off because it's a dead zone. Yeah, yeah, it's a dead zone. Is, uh, uh, what is the name of it? Not Green Bank, but the old hotel that, you know, used to have a bunker under it. Uh, oh, Greenbrier. Yeah, Greenbrier. My brain just went, you don't need that thought. Goodbye. Time it's to go. It's something, right? Yeah, it's Greenbrier. It's the Greenbrier Hotel, and it does have a uh, bunker under it that was 
at one time to uh, designated as a hidey hole for Congress mm-hmm. um, in case of nuclear attack because it's it's within driving or helicopter distance of uh, Washington. So that was one of the places where they could run and then they could you know restart the government, quote unquote. Um, now they give tours of it. It was a big secret. Uh, when I was growing up, except it wasn't because everybody knew about it. I mean, West Virginians <laughs> knew. I don't know if anybody else knew about it and just never asked us, uh, but we knew about it because we all talked about it. Uh, well, but, it's it's kind of a funny story how that got revealed, too. Oh, jump in. So there was a maid who was working at the hotel who accidentally found this secret panel at one point, and I guess there was a protocol in place set up and ready to go where once it was discovered they had to gather all the employees together and they had a meeting and someone rolled out one of those TVs on like the AV cart and they had a VHS tape and they plugged it in and it revealed everything. Wow. Because once the secret was out, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now they, now they have tours now that everybody knows. Um, I cannot remember who it was. Uh, Oh yeah. It was, it was one of my chefs in culinary school had uh, gone to the Greenbrier to uh, judge a culinary contest. Uh, and it was held there in the kitchens of the hotel. And he actually got to go on the tour. And nice. uh, he was, he was, you know, very thrilled that he got to go. Uh, and I said, oh, yeah, the thing that, you know, West Virginians knew about, but nobody <laughs> else did, you know. Um, but I think at one time that was a no-fly zone as well. You couldn't fly over it unless you were in the government. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. So I, you know, I don't know about that now, because now that everybody knows where it is, they probably can't use it for that anymore. But not for the government, but it is still technically a fallout shelter, so it is functional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 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 actually really well um, well put together and shielded and and all of that it's pretty interesting Uh, i got to go through on that tour when i was in grad school oh cool yeah it's really strange it looks like um the best way to describe it have you ever been in like the access corridors to a mall or something like that where it's just concrete yeah that's all it is it's just concrete walls corridors uh lots of pipes and cables overhead it's dimly lit it's got those stereotypical light bulbs hanging from a, a wire above. Mm. Um, I got to see the broadcast uh, room for like uh-huh. the president. Nice. And it is surprising how fake that whole thing is. Mm. It's it's almost like uh, just posters hanging up on the background on a concrete wall. And the clocks that you always see that have all the different time zones, it's literally just battery operated clocks hanging on the wall with a little uh, handmade plaque underneath. Wow. It, it's really surprising how we see all these cinematic things on TV and it's very superficial. Right. Right. Yeah. That's wow. I love how you say, Oh, it's fake. It's like the Truman show, you know, <laughs> it's like, Ooh, uh, but the the concrete corridors and the the lights hanging, I'm like, yeah, no no need to spice that up, guys. No need to make that look somewhat homey. No, because that's for no. that's that's end of the world crap right there. And you don't need nice stuff for end of the world. You just 
know, just it's not be like glad. the president of the free world is going to be staying there for extended periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's a, one of the West Virginia weirdnesses that, that I always loved. And it, it was always fun watching the X-Files with my husband who oh, yeah. was from, uh, Florida and his whole family lives in, lived in Florida and, um, they were big X-Files fans too. So, you know, every time one of the, the, one of the hidden places was in West Virginia, they'd ask, is that, you know, is that there? Is there one of those there? Is that, and I'm like, okay, there are weird things in West Virginia. We have uh, very quiet little offices for defense logistics, which is uh, a branch of the intelligence agencies. Mm -hmm. Um, we have, uh, like little tucked away places. Uh, we now have the FBI fingerprinting files in Fairmont, I want to say. I think it's between Fairmont and Clarksburg. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The, um... Yeah. The, the, yeah. And, and that's there. Uh, but the, you know, there are small places, but do they, do they look like that? No, because that's Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. West Virginia doesn't look like Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. I think the FBI center went in after X-Files though. Yeah. Yeah, I it did. I remember, uh, they had, they went to Wheeling at one point, I believe. Yes. And, uh, like you said, it's Vancouver cause it was in a pine forest or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was, I remember watching that getting all excited. I was like, Oh, that is. That is no. not wheeling. They are not down in a flood zone or anything. Mm, no, <laughs> no. Um, and then there was the, I think it was the first X-Files movie where part of it, or maybe it was the second one, but one of them took part, took place in part of West Virginia. And it was this freaking prairie. And I'm like, there is <laughs> no part of West Virginia that, that, that there is, there is no place <laughs> that is that flat. No, nothing that there was nothing scraped by the glaciers there. It, it, nothing <laughs> was just flattened out, squished out. No, 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 no. They mm, no. Couldn't you have at least put some matte paintings of you know hills behind where you? I mean, come on. And it would have been so easy to do that because a lot of our hills are you know they're at a distance, so it's still pretty uh, faded and blurry and hard to see. Yeah. You, know, you just have to have this impression of hills in the background. Yeah. But they didn't have any impressions of any hills. It was, it was flat out flat. And I just laughed so hard. I mean, <laughs> who's going to know besides people from West Virginia? Truly. And, and even people who've just driven through kind of aren't necessarily gonna, you know, remember that they'll, they'll think, well, there's gotta be some place here that's flat. No, yeah, really. yeah, I mean, river valleys, yes, but that's it. Most people I know who drive through West Virginia have two comments. One is, man, these roads are really bad, followed by, man, these roads are really twisty. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go straight up and down, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think what, what Tim Renner said once was, you know, driving through West Virginia, he's like, you know, I'm from, I'm from Hills and, and Pennsylvania. He's like, and we've got Hills. He's like, but y'all do have mountains. Oh yeah. He's like, there, there's actually, yeah, they don't look like the Rocky mountains, but they're mountains and, and they let you know. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, have you, uh, done any, any, um, 
exploration in the woods and the, the fields of the West Virginia, looking for anything strange on your own? I mean, I'm not going out howling for Bigfoot or anything like that, but I do a good bit of just wilderness hiking, camping, stuff like that. It's actually part of my job. Mm -hmm. I am an outdoor educator besides having my podcast. So I take kids out in the woods and teach them to make observations and uh, observe their surroundings, watch for animals, watch for signs. I taught a tracking class this past winter. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that does sound awesome. You know, and it's, and it's not like the way, you know, I got taught when I was a kid, which is, hey, it's the woods, go in there, play. Uh, don't go too far. Go, stay within hollering distance. Take the dogs. There <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, and if if something rattles at you, don't don't touch it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's <laughs> like oh, luckily okay. where I'm at, I'm not at the elevation for rattlesnakes, but we still have to watch out anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, Which man, snakes have been. It's been wild this year. I have seen way more snakes this summer than I have in the past few years combined. That is interesting. And you're not the first person I've heard say it. I, I, lots of people in the Appalachian region has been like, what is it with the snakes? You I'm know. wondering if the mild winter didn't have something to do with it. I, I was wondering that too, because that was, that was the explanation that I've jumped on with. And it's possible that there's plenty of food for them also because of the yes. mild winter. So, you know, there's there's more toads and, you know, rats and, you yeah. know. I was actually just squirrels. commenting on this to the children the other day when we were out in the woods. Uh, we've got a section of the property that has a bunch of hickory trees on it. And there are so many little sapling hickories coming up because the animals just didn't need to dig up their caches over the winter. Yeah. Yeah, same around my house and the, the oak babies. Oh, yeah. Um, we have lots and lots of chipmunks around, you know, where I live in Athens, mm -hmm. uh, which is right next to the woods. We have woods that literally just wind all through the town, like oh, everywhere. Nice. Um, so we have these green corridors that all of the wildlife, you know, use to traverse through town. And that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, but we have all these chipmunks, and uh, usually they bury, you know, their food, and the and the squirrels bury everything, and then they dig it up. But this year, I have so many baby oaks coming up in my garden <laughs> that you know, because that's where they plant them. And usually in the spring, you know, I get a, a few of them, you know, and I just pull them mm -hmm. up and toss them over the fence into the woods and go. Hey, if that taproot hits the dirt, there you go. You can you you can go. It's it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, but this year it was like thirty or forty of them, and I I have a small garden, so <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> so I'm like, those little chipmunks must have been planting all of those, and then didn't have to eat any of them. Yeah. And I suspect we may be seeing signs of the opposite for this winter. There's a lot of fruit germinating on the trees. Hmm. And there's a lot of acorns that have already started turning green and falling. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of indications that it might be, if not a bad winter, it might be early. That could be. And at this point, there's very little ability to predict anything 
having to do with with weather. Oh yeah. Um, but I do remember that last year, in the fall here, usually the squirrels and the chipmunks go absolutely crazy with gathering things, and they'll fight over nuts and mm -hmm. have these, you know all but pitched battles on a field uh, <laughs> over it and they'll run in front of your cars to get you know black walnuts and whatever and they didn't do that last year they they didn't argue with each other over anything they didn't like go completely insane and and you know grab everything to be buried dump you know diving in front of cars risking their lives they didn't do any of that um and then it turned out we had snow like two maybe three times and it was negligible as far as as like sticking on the ground and yeah. this year we have so many ticks because of that yes uh, yeah they are terrible here too yeah I, I you know i've almost petitioned the mayor to say hey can we have guinea fowl please <laughs> <laughs> if they want so noisy, yes. I want an entourage of them for every time I go outside. You know, I'll figure out a way to put harnesses on them and, you know, they can walk <laughs> with me and they can eat every tick that is near me. I hate ticks, uh, but so, they're not into it. So, well, let's put a, 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 a possum on a leash for you. I would love that. I I'm love fairly possums. certain they eat ticks, but I know they're immune to, uh, to rabies and all kinds of diseases. Yeah, Lyme disease doesn't even get them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, and they're, I'm one of the people who thinks they're cute. Most people don't, but I do. Our family are, are possum people. We, we like possums. Uh, I don't mind them until they hiss at me. Well, they're scary, but they really can't do anything with, you True. know, they can just look scary and sound scary. And, and, and then they can't really do much to back that up. They're not like, <laughs> uh, they're not like cats that way. You know, no bobcats, you know, <laughs> they hiss and yell and it's like, okay, I'm done, done. Sorry. My yeah. bad. <laughs> I'm going to back <laughs> away slowly. So have you, uh, run across anything weird in the woods besides, um, hissing possums? I've run across a bunch of just weird stuff throughout my entire life. Um, I'm sure Vuk has told you the Bigfoot story, or at least that I have a Bigfoot story. He said you had one. That's all he said. He's yes. very helpful this way. <laughs> He's and my I, intelligence gathering arm of my organization. And uh, I need to pay him more uh, because, you know, he'll say things like, oh, he saw a Bigfoot and boom, that's it. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I also alluded to it in the chat that we had going and it was, I honestly, at this point, I don't even recall what year it was. It was, I'd say, early 2000s, based on, like, where I was living at the time and all that. Mm -hmm. And it was during hunting season, and uh, specifically rifle season. Mm -hmm. And I was on a power line on a hillside. So I was at the top of the hill looking down, watching for deer crossing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the people I was with, they were doing a deer drive, walking through the woods in the direction of the power line, trying to push them towards me. Absolutely nothing came out. But at some point, I did see a figure standing on the wood line, kind of hidden in the shadows. Now, it's rifle season, so you have to have a certain amount of blaze orange on mm -hmm. so that you don't get shot, right? Mm -hmm. This thing was solid black. 
Mm. And I'm not talking, you know, black clothing. I'm talking the entire face, everything was shrouded in black. Mm. And this was around dusk. And I sat there and it was far enough away that I could see that it was clearly a figure. And I ended up looking through the scope of my rifle to see what it possibly was. And I couldn't make out any any real details. And I just mm. sat there watching it for so long. And this thing was just motionless. I feel like it was just watching me as much as I was watching it. And yeah. at some point, it just turned and walked right back into the woods. Hmm. I've had a lot of people suggest that it was a black bear, which, yes, there are black bear in this area. But if you ever see a black bear standing on its hind legs... They don't do it for that long. Well... They don't do that for that long. They don't do it for that long, but they also can't really pivot. No, they can't they don't do have a the, 180. They don't have the swivel. No, the, they, their the, hips don't allow it. No, no, they. It, it, yeah, the, their construction is not meant for standing upright. It's no. it's it's okay to stand upright for a little bit, but it doesn't walk upright all the time. They weigh humanoids do mm -mm. it's a bear you know it's meant to be able to pop up and look around and then you know go back down and run fast right yeah and it does not have the hippie swivel capability at all yeah uh, and when everyone else showed up to pick me up to drive me back home they said oh did you see anything nope time to go let's, let's get out of here <laughs> There was not any deer. No, it's time to leave. <laughs> I honestly, I did not talk about it for probably three to four years. I did not tell anybody. I believe that for sure. For sure. I've, I've heard enough people with their sightings that they're just like, mm -mm, no. I feel like that was a, a really big turning point for me because even leading up to that, I would say, yeah, sure. I believe in Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah he's probably out there somewhere. But then you see it and it's just, you know, there's that certainty that it's almost painful. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a shock to the system that, yeah, there it is. Yeah. And it just, it, it's a confirmation that you can't really be prepared for until it happens. Yeah. So why do you think he looked so um, featureless to you? Like you couldn't get detail through the scope. Well, he was he was fairly far away, probably about a hundred yards, and and my scope was it, it's a good scope, but it's not you know a telescopic scope. Right. It's um. You're not a sniper. No. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he was it partially in shadows, first of all, and I'm saying he just because I again had no features, I have no clue what to base his his possible gender on. But it was certain animals, their fur, when you get into any amount of shadow, it just turns black. Mm -hmm. And it absorbs light as much as anything else. And it seems like that may have been what was going on. Yeah. Um, and if he's an animal and it, it was like, if this was a physical, tangible thing, it's going to have to be camouflaged in order to live in the woods without being detected. Mm -hmm. So that's just a natural adaptation, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's, 
a lot of people who have seen them in the the clearings for for uh, electrical lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that behavior of coming to the edge and stopping and watching uh, is that's I don't know how many stories I've read and heard where people say and then it stopped and then it stood there and then it watched and I felt like it was watching me. And that's a typical behavior for any animal that's crossing a power line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if they're intelligent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, that's, I do know that feeling of that sort of, I guess it's ontological shock. It's like you may know that there are quote unquote um, big hairy man things in the woods but it's not the same as actually knowing right it it hits with a with a visceral almost violent shock to the stomach to me it hits in the stomach yep and then you get this kind of queasy feeling of oh oh no Oh, (laughs) oh no and i didn't have that with with Bigfoot, I had it with the first time I saw a solid-looking UFO, and then I had it again when I watched one of the little weird lights in the woods come up close, turn into a little fairy, and then fly away. I, I didn't like mm. either of those. Uh, and that, are, you, are you talking about the uh, the red bird sighting when you yes, were a child? Yes, where my mom sees the bird and is yeah. like, oh, it's a bird. And I'm like looking at it going, no, I don't see no bird. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I couldn't talk to her for the longest time after you know the whole thing was over and i just couldn't you know for a little bit even speak coherently and you know she just kept going on about the bird as we walked along you know where'd it go i don't know i was just like it wasn't a bird it didn't go anywhere there was no bird yeah i know I said, well, you know, why didn't you see the bird? I can't believe you didn't see the bird. It's it was bright red. You know, oh well, I'm sorry, Ma. I didn't see it. I just didn't see it. But I have not seen Bigfoot, but I have heard something that we took to be Bigfoot and that sounded like Bigfoot recordings that mm. were on the internet. So that was I have to admit that I was briefly stupid and thought of walking into the woods toward it because I so wanted to see what was making that racket. Um, but I, I didn't, um, my, my dog that I had gone out to, you know, bring into the house because she was like, I don't know, her, her dog house was maybe 30 feet from the woods. And then whatever it was, was running back and forth and thrashing about and shaking, you know, young trees and hollering and hooping and just sounding awful was only like 30 feet past that. Man. And she was terrified. And this dog feared no animal. No animal. She didn't like people. She was afraid of people except for my husband and I and Morgana. She she was afraid of, you know, all people, um, but but animals like deer, horses, uh, big dogs, coyotes. She didn't she didn't care. Snakes. Hmm. She feared nothing like that. But whatever was out there, she was terrified by. She 
she just she was having none of it she wouldn't look toward it um she wouldn't even like when i started to step toward it with my hand on her collar after i had unlatched her she just she just froze she just refused to go toward the woods and and then i was like okay yeah you're right this is stupid uh i i have a i have an x-file special uh flashlight that's not working very well uh and uh if you're that scared of it then i should probably be scared of it too so yeah okay let's go in the house then the other dog wouldn't look at it either and wow yeah lyriel was afraid of nothing she loved everything um, except little tiny dogs, she didn't like them. But she loved people, she loved animals, and and she just would keep her head turned and wouldn't look at it. And we heard it from inside. We we were you know, Ooh. you know, waiting for uh, the beans and rice I was making to be finished, and we heard this howl, and we both thought it was our dogs, and we were like, what are they howling at now? Because they were huskies, so you know oh, they would okay. they would sing to the uh the coyotes and stuff and i was like i bet the coyotes are out again and you know went outside and just stopped and i was like uh zach that's not coyotes and he <laughs> came out and he was like what the hell is that and you know we stood on the porch listening and uh looked at at you know lyriel that that was the one that uh was you know, her doghouse was near the porch and, and she just was not looking at it and not having it. But, you know, and I was like, well, we should bring Nan in. That was the one closer to the woods. Mm -hmm. And Zach said, I'm not going to go get her. <laughs> I said, I tell you what, go get the phone and go ahead and dial 911 and put your finger over the green button to make it dial. <laughs> and, and I'll go get the dog. And so, you know, I went slowly and quietly and, you know, got close, found her hidden. She, she had hid herself behind the heat pump, between the heat pump and the house and this Whoa. little tiny narrow. Yeah, she was having none of him. She, she did not like it at all. She was terrified and she was shaking. So, you know, I get out there and I'm petting her and I'm, you know, I'd pop my head up and look and try to see. And it was so close. I could literally watch the path of it running back and forth by the way the undergrowth and the young trees shook. Mm -hmm. And it was just, and the feet, it was, a, it was not a four-footed cadence, it was a two-footed cadence. Mm -hmm. And it was big. Whatever it was, was big. And the sound, that's what got Zach, the sound. Because, of course, he's a musician, and he, he was you know, recording music at the time. So he listened very carefully to the sound in between going, would you hurry up? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to stand here anymore. Uh, he said that you could hear the resonance from a very big body. Mm. Like whatever made the sound had a very large chest to make yeah. that kind of resonance. And so, yeah, I did grab the dog and, you know, ran back to the porch and he grabbed the other dog and we all went in the house and it still kept going uh, for a while. And it got to the point where it was kind of like we just wanted to cover our ears. Um, 
the dogs went into the basement. They were having none of this above ground where we can hear it thing. And uh, when it stopped, we tried to eat dinner. We couldn't. So <laughs> to hell with the beans and rice. We're done with that now. And he, we started looking up every animal that we could think of and their sounds and listening mm -hmm. to sound files. And, you know, I listened to black bears. I went ahead and listened to grizzly bears, even though I knew that we don't have those in uh, Ohio. I listened to elk, and of course they have the silly whistling noise. Mm -hmm. I listened to white-tailed bucks, white-tailed does. I listened to um, wild boar. I listened to feral hogs. I mean, mm. I just every damned thing I could think of. I, cougars, even though we're not supposed to have them. I listened to lions because I do know at that time, crazy people kept, you know, menageries in Ohio because it was yeah. legal to do so. Uh, you know, so I started looking up African animals, you know, <laughs> <Looking up. laughs> and then finally from upstairs, I can hear Zach's doing the same thing. And he had his monitor speakers um, from recording, mm -hmm. and he found a sound file and played it, and it was the sound. And I was like, that, that's it. That's it, Zach. That's it. What is it? He said, Bigfoot. And I said, oh, F you. No, it isn't. You know, because, <laughs> of course, I was thinking that when I was outside, but I was like, nah, you're just crazy. You know, <laughs> that's not what it is. And uh, he said, nope, that's what it is. I'm like, it's a moose, right? It's a moose. Somebody had a moose. He's like, no, it's Bigfoot. And it was actually one of Matt Moneymaker's recordings from Ohio. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I'd always like, okay, it was Bigfoot then. <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, okay, now I have to eat because I need something to ground myself oh, yeah. after that. Oh, God. And the worst part was, and the reason that I was like, it's not Bigfoot, was because a friend of mine and his wife had been visiting that evening, which is why we were eating dinner at like midnight, because, you know, uh, they hadn't left and they had already eaten. So we just, you know, we were polite and didn't eat. Um, but he had said something. Now that we're all in West Virginia or in Ohio again and, and we're all close to West Virginia, you and I and uh, Tom will have to get together and go Bigfoot hunting and go out into the <laughs> woods. And he's like, I got a new camera. It's great. Uh, he's a videographer. He's like, and we can just go. And, uh, you know, Tom is like wilderness guy. So, you know, we won't like, you know, starve or anything. And I said, well, what am I going to be doing? And he's like, oh, you're just the bait. You know, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you're the weird, you're the weirdness magnet. So you just, you just, you just go along. And I was like, mm. then after he left, then all this noise started happening. And I was just like, my brain was like, it is not Bigfoot because he just talked about that. And that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want to believe that we conjured that mess up. I don't mm -mm, no. And so for years when I'd tell that story, I wouldn't tell that part of it. I have that two we had just talked about it. Okay. So, what time of year was this? It was early spring, 
enough that there was leaves, hmm. but they weren't super, super big, but there were leaves. Okay. And follow-up question, were there any major life events going on for you at this time? It was before, it was fairly soon before um, I had a miscarriage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wondered that, like, it wasn't that long ago when I thought about it. I was like, mm, I, I, you know, when did the miscarriage happen? Was it before that or after that? And it, it turns out after I looked at dates and looked at calendars and, you know, looked at, at uh, journal entries, it was after that. Hmm. I don't really have any direction to go with that. It was just mostly, I remember hearing, uh, it's a very Keelian thing to find out what else is going on. And I remember uh, like Joshua Cutchin and Timothy Renner, both are very big into asking about the expanded events around the mm -hmm. singular happening Yeah, and, and try to build an idea around that possibly. Yeah. And that that's the thing is, you know, I remember talking with Tim about it years and years later, um, I think like last year. And I was like, Tim, does this mean I or or my friend or all of us together um, conjured the Bigfoot? Or did the environment listen to what we said and then point the direction for the Bigfoot? It was like, you know, all of it's woo, but mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, did we dream it up or, I mean, what, I, this is why I don't talk about going, you know, hunting for Bigfoot very right. often because I, I don't want this to happen again, <laughs> <laughs> especially well, not here in town. That would be terrible. Oh yeah. I think this is a situation that is, is sort of like, um, like improv, you know, the answer is always yes. And yes, yes, there is no yes. No, <laughs> it's always yeah. well, yes. And, or maybe there's a lot of maybes, so many maybes. And that's basically what Tim said. He said, maybe you did conjure it. Maybe it was already out there. And the reason you all talked about it and it came down to your friend's mouth is because he kind of knew it was out there. Right. I was like, you know, whatever it was, I, I did, you know, call him the next day and tell him, don't ever talk about that <laughs> at my house again. We can talk about it at your house and it can go to your house <laughs> because I, I didn't like it at all. And I actually did call um, BFRO and, and report it. I was like, the, this is not a sighting, mm -hmm. uh, but this is something that sounds very much like it. And I actually talked with their investigator uh, for about 45 minutes and Zach talked with him. And uh, Zach was, he was like, you know, what really kills me is I actually had my studio that looks out on those woods set up to record. He was like, I, I could have just flipped a couple switches oh, and stuck no. a mic out the window. And he's like, I feel so terrible that I didn't do it, but I couldn't think. Well, you know, people ask me all the time. It's like, it was hunting season. You had a rifle, you had a scope. 
why didn't you shoot this thing? And I, I couldn't be sure. Yeah, you could have shot a person. Exactly. It would be a absolutely suicidal person wearing solid black in hunting season. But like, yeah, if you can't see your target, I'm not going to shoot it. No, you're not supposed. I mean, okay, people who actually hunt, who are ethical hunters, don't just shoot at whatever is (laughs) moving. Right, right. It is not done. And but again, it was that shock factor, too. Yeah, it's like, what am I looking at? Mm-hmm. The the ontological, you know, gut punch of what what is that? But yeah, I can't imagine shooting at anything that's that's bipedal, humanoid shaped. I no, mean, no. I just I I can't. And there's lots of other hunters who basically said, you know, I saw it. I had my gun. I had my gun trained on it, but I couldn't do it because it looked like a person. It's it's too human. Yeah. It's very clearly not, but it's too close. Yeah. It's and that to me is is just a no. And then, you know, there's the possibility that you you know, okay, if you did shoot it and it, you know, didn't do anything. Oh yeah. That you know, that's been that's been reported by Stan Gordon um mm-hmm. and and various other investigators for decades that people shoot at it and they're sure they hit it but nothing happens and this was not very far from the chestnut ridge yeah this was maybe 30 45 minute drive from chestnut ridge so we're in the same area that all of that took place yeah. in fact now that i think about it um kevin paul is working on his third book and he actually, uh, I sent this report to him because it's not in Greene County, but it's on the border. Right. And in his second book, he had a report that was very similar. It wasn't a power line, though. It was a right-of-way for a gas line. Yeah. Yeah. The, all of those places are, you know, there's so many episodes of Strange Familiars where people are out and they, you know, cross one of those places or they're up at the top of a ridge looking down through the opening mm-hmm. and there's you know some two-legged something or other whatever it is lurking watching them this honestly makes me wonder about their eyesight because they very clearly are avoiding us mm-hmm. but they do it from such a distance that I don't know, maybe we just stand out that much, but, you know, clearly humans do not belong in the woods. But, yeah, they're they're at a distance. They usually have a clear line of sight if they're crossing these, these woodcuts or power lines. Mm-hmm. Or even crossing a road. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, trees on one side, trees on the other hanging over, you know. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's part of why there's there's so many descriptions of them walking across the road and looking over their shoulder towards the traffic, mm-hmm. you know, as they go across, because, well, it's a clear line of sight. Well, that would also help avoid uh, blinding by headlights. Yeah. yeah. So if they have, like, hypersensitive eyesight, headlights could potentially blind them entirely. So if mm-hmm. they look over their shoulder, they're really only getting indirect light. Right. Yeah. And and I, I I do wonder about that because if their eyesight is really good for night vision, 
mm-hmm. then yeah, then then even a, f- a high powered flashlight would be bad, you know, for them to. My crappy yeah. X file style flashlight did not cause <laughs> any problem because it was you know about to die. It's like okay, <laughs> so now we know we have to keep fresh batteries in the flashlight at all times. <laughs> so, oops. Well, we know those batteries end up in the TV remote anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, most of the time, you know, I've also heard of people whose batteries have been, you know, sucked dry by something or another um, when when they most need to be used. So, who knows? I've run into that too, and it's not during anything paranormal. It's just fresh batteries. You go to use it, and they just immediately die. Yeah. And it's made me wonder, like, what is going on around me? Because I've, I've stopped and looked around the woods when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Where is he? He's what happened? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I've been thinking this for a while, but I've never really, you know, articulated it. But, you know, all of the Bigfoot sightings that are in the right-of-ways or especially – with the big power lines there's a lot of ufo sightings in those Mm -hmm. places um the ufos liked to hover under or over the power lines and travel along them and i mean my grandfather was of the opinion that they were sucking electricity out um and and he was not i mean you know he was an atheist he, you know, he was not formally educated. He educated himself. So he was always reading, like, you know, encyclopedias and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he would see things hovering over the power lines, and he said, you know, it, it had an orange glow. It was like a, a sphere that was orange. And he said and it, it hovered over there and it started to glow brighter over the power lines. Um, and you know, he had no reason to make stuff like that up. And in fact, he's the person who taught me how to tell an airplane and, uh, a, uh, satellite from anything wonky. He's mm. like, you see satellites, they go straight. Right? <laughs> they just, they just go straight. They don't like disappear. They don't like zigzag. He's like, and planes pretty much travel straight too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but they have flashing lights most of the time. Yep. They change color based on perspective. Yep, and the and he said the FAA lights are these here, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we'd watch, a, you know, a couple hours go by and something goes zigzagging along. He's like, see that? That's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I said, so what do you think they are? He's like, I don't know. I just call them them or those. Well, let me throw this out there to you. What if they're not sucking the power, but they are generated by the electromagnetism that's generated from these high tension power lines? Okay, and and my my feeling is is you could be correct, but you have to have a human there exactly. to observe it and help it come into being. I guess. Yeah. To so, co-create it or something. I've had this this pet theory that I've been tossing around for probably five to 10 years at this point. And until recently, I couldn't really get too much information on it. Have you ever heard of telluric currents? 
Are those the underground currents? Yes, the, the yeah. geomagnetic currents. Yeah. So yeah. for the longest time, the, the U.S. Geological Survey has done studies on this. There was a, a map that you could actually look at and see the lines, uh, but it hadn't been done. I hadn't seen an update since like the 60s, right? No, it hasn't been updated for a long time. Yeah. Oh, I have news for you. Is it updated now? It's updated now. Good. I actually went to look for it in preparation for this this show. And it is a it almost looks like a weather model. So it's got that color oh. gradation based on the variances. And I'll tell you, West Virginia is like beyond red. Yep. It's up into like the pink, almost white color because it is such a high variance in electromagnetism. Yeah. And this isn't the, the geomagnetism. This is in the atmosphere above the state. Right. So it's like everywhere around us. Yeah. And yeah. And you know what ain't all town. cell it ain't all cell towers. Cause No. No. <laughs> you don't need cell towers where nobody lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, you don't need a, all the cell towers in the world. Yeah, and even based on the the original maps, and I had this theory based on just weird stuff that was happening in, in Mon County where I live. And even on the old maps, you could see where there were multiple lines that were overlapping over the county. Mm -hmm. And now I look at the new updated map and it's just solid white. It wow. is bizarre. That is, that is interesting. And that is bizarre. Um, and you can actually see it follow the shape of the mountain range. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that is interesting. I'll send you a link to it after we get off here. Yeah. Definitely, because I'm going to send it right on to Chris and go, Chris, <laughs> plug that into your map thing. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> and then we'll look at, you know, West Virginia sightings and that. We'll put them together and see what happens. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I believe parts of Ohio are pretty far up there, too. Yeah, yeah, it, it is uh, a weird, also a weird place here. There's all kinds of strange stuff, like... There are um, sightings of spherical balls of light going into and out of Lake Erie, for example. Oh, yeah. And that's that's been going on for a long time. I even mm -hmm. have an uncle who, you know, basically was sitting out on his dike. Uh, that sounds weird, but, uh, the <laughs> army Corps of engineers built a dike around the, the lake so that they could build houses right next to the lake without the lake, you know, deciding to kill everybody and flood them out. So it's just, just a big old pile of rocks that just extends around chunks of Lake Erie. Ah, and, okay. and it's about, uh, I want to say 40 feet high, something like that. So when you get those big, big waves, when there's storms and stuff, it doesn't destroy the houses. And so mm -hmm. he had a house that was right, you know, you go out in the backyard, which was this flat patch of sand and crap, you know, crappy grass. And then you went up the steps to the top of the dike and there was the lake. Boom. Right there. Mm -hmm. And you could, you could watch all kinds of stuff. And, and he did. Um, and he, he had a sailboat and he fished and did all this stuff and, um, yeah, he, he saw a few weird balls of light either pop up out of the lake or most of the time it was go down in the lake. So, yeah. This reminds me of something I read in grad school. 
I had a book. It was uh, the Encyclopedia of North American or Native American mythology, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And the entries were not expansive and they didn't really have a lot of uh, cross-referencing options or anything like that. But there was something called a meteor fire dragon that mm -hmm. supposedly was an Algonquin story around the Great Lakes. Ah. And it was a blazing light with a fiery tail that would go into the lakes. Hmm. And the story was that these lights or the, the dragons, I guess, or whatever term they actually use, because clearly that wasn't going to be dragon. They lived under the waves to prevent them from fully combusting and burning up. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to remember if the Shawnee people were one of the Algon Algonquin language groups. I think they were. Um, but they have a creature that is the most powerful creature um, in their spirit um, stories, mm -hmm. and it's a water panther. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if it's related so because you know the dragon that sounds like you know white people wrote it down and said well we don't know what what to call it we're going to call it a dragon well it's a flying serpent so clearly it's a yeah dragon. yeah yeah but huh yeah i think the water panther is is based on a similar mythos mm -hmm. because i believe it could fly and it was a a horned panther from what i remember yes 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 which and it lived always... in the rivers I always wonder about that because uh, I, I picture like what did the horns look like? Because there weren't really animals around that had horns in the way that we think of with cow horns. There were buffalo. And mm -hmm. if you go far enough west into Ohio, yeah, you probably would have run into them. There were forest buffalo here. Okay. We have a ghost buffalo here in Athens um, right outside of uh, city limits that was the last forest buffalo and oh, wow. it was it was shot in he actually this is interesting he actually had uh federal army guards Whoa. who who were stationed 24 hours a day to keep watch on him and uh somebody's you know somebody was asleep at the at the post or you know was taking care of natural business <laughs> i don't know but somebody somebody a poacher came in and shot him oh man that's sad yeah yeah but there's there's a street here in athens that's original name was buffalo trace because that's where the buffalo would travel from mm. the hills in the forest down to the river and back so they made a street out of it nice yeah. It sounds like a lot of the roads here where I live, they're, the roads are terrible because they're so narrow. Well, it oh. turns out they're all still the old wagon train roads. Yeah. <laughs> so these have not changed in, you know, 300 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's so many uh, dirt roads around Appalachia, uh, but particularly I, most of my experience is in West Virginia. And, yeah, they're still um, the old, you know. Mm -hmm. settler trails and stuff like that and oh, even, oh these are the roads in town oh that's even like better. these are the original roads that were laid out during the founding and they have not changed at all except to have brick laid down and eventually they were paved yeah 
That's true. There's a paved road in Putnam County, Route 35. And mm-hmm. you can tell that it was originally, you know, a, uh, a uh, just a wagon track. And it, there, it still falls apart. And <laughs> there's parts that just slide down the hill and they keep fixing it and they keep putting up guardrails and it keeps sliding down the hill. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's like every couple of years you look and it's like, oh, the brick is coming up. Time to repave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appalachian Roads. Boy, we could do a whole show about that. <laughs> there's some there's some fun stuff in Appalachian. <laughs> Woo. Well, there's so much that was is based on roads and railways and travel. You know, you've got crossroads. You've got all the tunnels. You've got the covered bridges, mm-hmm. uh, all the water crossings. There's all kinds of directions you could go with that. Oh, yeah. And then there's the abandoned mines. Those are always yes. fun. Yes. Um, those, those are great. There was a mine on the property where I grew up as a child, and there were some weird things on the property, but I never had any incidents with the mine itself. Hmm. Granted, I wasn't supposed to be in the mine, but, you know, there were fossils in the shale, so I had to go in a little bit just to get you know, just, fossils. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I understand. Just deep enough to avoid the bats, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. If if I had been a kid, I would have done the same thing. Because, well, why not? Yeah, and the, the fossils were beautiful. They were, they were fern fossils. And the, it was the really dark black ones that stand out. And they have so much detail against yeah. the, the gray of the slate. Yeah. But they were so brittle. Yeah. So incredibly brittle. Yeah. Yeah, shale is is, is delicate. And, uh, yeah, I always used to find, I was always distraught because I never found arrowheads at a right. grandparents' farm, but I always found fossils. And it was in part of the state that was, that was underwater that was a, an ocean at one point. So I was always uh, finding, you know, little, little spiral shells and, you know, trilobite bits and things. And, oh, okay. So I, I roughly know where you were then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the whole arrowhead thing always disappointed me too. Like I know in town there was I think it's still called Indian Park. It's a little tiny tiny park. Mm-hmm. And it was either an area where they did the flint napping or there was a cache there. Because people my parents age used to go there in the 60s and 70s as kids and they could just take a trowel, stick it in the ground and come up with an arrowhead. Oh. And it was a tiny, tiny area, no bigger than, I don't know, maybe 20 by 20 20 feet. Uh, So it's it's small. And then to the north of us, we had the Warrior Trail and uh, what was the other one? It's the, uh, hmm, the Warrior Trail, if I remember, goes east to west from Ohio to Seneca Trail. Oh, yeah. Which goes north-south. Right. Yeah, I, I do know that one. I remember that from West Virginia history all of those many years ago. Yeah, and th- and we were close enough that from the hill where I lived, I could look over to the next ridge and say, okay, the trail is right over there. That's awesome. But never found arrowheads, didn't really find any artifacts. Hmm. Uh, most of what I found was maybe at best early 1800s uh, pennies. 
Yeah. Which yeah. is still pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really awesome. Um, yeah. I. The only person that ever found, like, something truly, truly old, and it wasn't in a place that it was should have been there so my guess would be that somebody had brought it there um but but my dad went under the foundation of the house i grew up in um for the first nine years of my life and it had been busted up into apartments so mm -hmm. um he was in the crawl space under the house and uh he found a scraper uh, oh, wow. that is is uh it looks like granite honestly it doesn't look like flint it's not it doesn't okay. have that glass like sharp edge right um but it it very very definitely was held in a hand it could have been a hand axe too okay um but it's gorgeous and he found it and he pulled it out and he's like look what i found and uh I, I really hope that he does give it to the cultural center in Charleston at some point mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's really old and really cool. But how he found it in like, you know, just sort of laying there. Oh yeah. Is, is weird. You know, I mean the, the dirt had been dug about at some point, but, and his theory is, is that a kid found it and was playing with it. And took it under there where their parents didn't know that, you know, they were under there playing in the dirt um, at some point before, you know, we lived there. I mean, it but, could have even been a groundhog just tossing around dirt. Well, that's true. It could have been, it could have come out of a a, a tunnel from, yeah, a, a digging animal who, who was like, what, the, what is this boulder doing in here? Get out, get out. Yeah. And it could be a, still be a scraper, even though it's not flint, because from my understanding, once you get into the southern part of West Virginia, there was no easy access to nappable material, but there was a stone available that they could grind. Hmm. And some of the artifacts, especially from like the early Adena and Hopewell periods, there are these stone artifacts that are ground stone rather than copper or flint. Neat. Yeah, mm -hmm. because Ohio has flint all over the place. Right, um, right. But, the, you know, there's, there's, uh, I still haven't found uh, uh, an arrowhead in our river, <laughs> but I have found pieces of flint that, you know, have, that were worked. Ah. Um, and then there was that weird rock that just showed up in our house, and we still don't know how that happened, but. Okay, I got to hear that story. Okay, so. <laughs> Um, we were watching television and, uh, the kid Fox, how old was he at that point? Uh, I want to say 13 because that, that's about the right age for the sense of humor. Um, he walks to go to the bathroom, which is like right next door. So you just have to walk out into the, the, you know, hallway and boom, turn, and then you're in the bathroom mm -hmm. and right in the middle of the hallway is a rock. And it's rounded looking. And he was like, oh, where'd that come from? And he picks it up and he's like, hey, ma, 
hey, Ma, I found a rock. And I'm like, you're always finding rocks. Because <laughs> I ha- always have to go through his pockets and make sure there are no rocks before I wash the clothes, which, hey, that's yeah. fine. Because my grandmother <laughs> and my mother said, I hope you someday have a child that p- keeps rocks and crap in their pockets. So, yeah, so the, that's the why Appalachian it happened. curse. You're going to yep. have a kid that's just like you. Yep, yep. I had two, and that's just how it is. Um, so I was like... He was like, no, 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 it's right here in the, in the, in the center of the hallway. And I was like, oh, so, you know, I, I got up and looked at it and he's, and it looks, it's weird. It, it's carved funny. Huh. He's, but I don't know if it's carved. And so it's a triangle, a rounded triangle, round oh, weird. on the back. And then there's a carved bit or maybe I can't tell. It's smooth. So maybe it was carved at one time and then left in water and that smoothed it. Mm-hmm. But he said it looks like a coochie mom. <laughs> and it does. It looks like a Volvo mound, like from the front. Huh. Like really looks like i mean the people i've shown it to have gone mm, yeah that's gucci uh <laughs> <you know? laughs> and so its name permanently in our house is Gucci rock um but I, I i just i couldn't believe it i was i was just like what the hell you know why is it here you know we tried to come up with this so i showed it to morgana like, morgana did you bring this in the house and just leave it somewhere and then not tell me and she's like nope i'm like were you 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 don't remember this and she's like nope I, zach did you you know he's like no he's like and then the kids said well maybe maybe it was stuck in the the paw pads of one of the dogs but none of the dogs were big enough to have paw pads that would encompass something that big mm-hmm. so yeah that's one of the three rocks that have shown up in my house and I'm guessing you don't wear shoes indoors. No. No. And one follow-up question. Was it warm when it was found? Yeah. You know, that's the first thing Josh Kutchin asked me. And <laughs> it didn't seem to be. It seemed to be ambient room temperature. Okay. Yeah. No. I have recently heard something fall from what appeared to be the ceiling of my kitchen. It was a shard of glass. Um, and th- I had a cat in there with me cause you know, he was helping me make coffee and was, you know, begging for milk. And I was like, no, <laughs> um, but he watched it fall. I watched his head, you know, go down and then he sort of dove after whatever went chink on the tile. Yeah. And so I leaned over and I grabbed it and it was a shard of glass and that one was warm. And yet so, nothing was broken. No. Yeah, see, that definitely sounds like an apport. Yeah, yeah. And I've had the opposite. I've had things completely disappear when I drop them several times. Oh, actually. yeah, that's a, that's always a thing. And I've had that happen too. And that's a thing. And mm-hmm. I don't like it. No. <laughs> because it seems like, all right, who's down there? Who grabbed it? Yeah. What did? What did? Why did you want that? The one that really stands out in my mind is, well, I have two that stand out. Uh, the first one is a, so I used to do leather working. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in the reenacting. I did a historical reenactment in grad school because I was a history major. It all went together. 
So I did a lot of leather work and sewing to create my costume. And one day I dropped this really big leather needle. Uh, it's oh, called yeah, a lover's needle. Yeah, yeah those and it's are got huge. A, a triangular tip to pierce the leather, yep. right? Yep. And I dropped it on a tile floor. And that is definitely not something you want to lose because if you step on that, you're going to have an enormous hole in your foot. And you're going to have to go to the ER because that one you can't just. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Well, it bounced once. I heard the sound. And that was it. Oh. And never found it. Hardwood floor? It was a, a woodlook laminate. Oh, that's even worse because it doesn't really have the cracks that, you know, it could have fallen into. Right. In an old hardwood floor where, you know, they shrink. The and I swept shrink. that floor two, three times with a broom and never found it. To this day, it's never shown up. Somebody was making shoes somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. That's one of those just, okay, <laughs> whatever happens. Mm. And the other one, it was, um, I was working at a metaphysical shop. I forget what exactly I was bagging up but I was putting like stones or I, it was something into little baggies for sale. And I went to put this one in a bag, totally missed the bag somehow. I heard it again. It bounced one time on the carpet and vanished. Somebody wanted it. that rock. Yeah. And that's kind of what the uh, shop owner said too. She's like, well, it's theirs now. <laughs> yeah. Don't question it. Yeah. It's, it's like, don't, don't get too, you know, into trying to find that. That's, yeah. I, uh, I've i lost so many pieces of jewelry that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I have to be careful and, like, bribe the the little <laughs> critters. That, and it's like, okay, now have have some have some things to eat here have things to eat have this rock over here that i i i bought it at the rock shop special for you <laughs> um please don't steal my stuff but yeah i've had a a ring drop off my finger oh. onto a hardwood floor and disappear oh um and then it appeared at a friend's house um she she was going up into her sewing room and it was right in the middle of the floor and she knew it had to have been mine because well it looked like something that would be mine <laughs> and she called and she's like eh, did you leave a ring here at my house and i'm like no i all the rings that i had when i last was there are still here and she's like oh well, there's this ring and she described it and I went, that's the one that fell off my finger and was nowhere to be found in the bedroom. That is so bizarre. So yeah, who knows what that is. There's a whole book called um, Just One of Those Things. Yeah, The Jots. Yeah, Jots. And that the book, the stories in that book, man, like, you know, a letter falling from the sky and landing on a person's lap you know, people think yeah. that cannot possibly happen, but, and then, you know, weird stuff happens. I think like, one of my favorite stories out of that book is when they cracked open a piece of coal and a toad jumped out, mm -hmm. took a few hops and then just died. Yep. I remember reading that. I don't think it's in a keel book, but some, somebody, one of the, the older authors 
wrote about it. It might have been Charles Ber- been. Charles Berlitz, maybe. Oh, it could be Fort. It could have been, and it could have been Charles Fort. That's the other person it could have been. But yeah, I read that as a kid and was like, whoa. <laughs> First now, time I read that, I was just like, what the heck? And this, that was the whole story. Like, there's nothing else around. It's just that short little blurb. And it's just like, what the hell? What, yeah. What? Did somebody, you know, did somebody do an autopsy on that little toad? Right? <laughs> Where's know? the toad? We need that <laughs> toad. Yeah. I was like, did it dry up? Did it shrivel up? And, I mean, what, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I have questions about this. I have many questions. What <laughs> Why color didn't you was fill the toad? That in? How big yeah. was it? Yeah. What species? What kind? You know, was it a? And then there's the the uh, somebody found what looks like a spark plug in coal. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that's messed up. So that one, I know they said it was metal mm-hmm. uh, or partially metal, part part looks ceramic. Now that one, I. It could also be a fossil because, and it would be weird to have like a crinoid fossil in coal or shale. Yeah. But it's possible to have a fossil that has very strong iron elements. Uh, So like the ones we have here where I live, uh, we've actually just been finding a bunch of petrified wood in a creek near an old coal mine. And it is super heavy. It's orange. It's got a lot of iron ore in the fossil itself it's not metallic and it's not magnetized but i could almost see like a tree branch or a stem or something like that with an extended core made of mostly iron that could look like a, an old spark plug yeah that's pretty cool i like that yeah, it's fun because the kids, they go out and they play in the creek and they just show up and they're like, hey, what's this? Well, that is a piece of wood that's older than dinosaurs. Whoa. Yeah, that's exciting. That is exciting to kids. Yeah, I I think more kids need to play in creeks these days. I yeah. just do. That's that's That was my great joy growing up is playing in the ponds and playing in creeks mm-hmm. and Same finding here. all kinds of treasures. <laughs> I remember... Um, because we lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere, we had to have deliveries of, of limestone gravel for the road, right? Yeah. I remember as a kid learning how to do a paleontological excavation because I had found a fossil in the gravel. Oh, so awesome. I set up a rope grid across the road, <laughs> blocking off this whole area of study. And then my dad comes home from work and he can't get through. I was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> So, so try explaining to a, a five or a six-year-old that, hey, we need to move these ropes so I can get through. But no, no, you'll run over the excavation site. Well, okay, I hate to tell you this, kid, but that's that's it, oh, it's already messed up. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's done been messed up. You know, a hundred miles from here because <laughs> yeah. that's where this the, these rocks came from. Yeah, Morgana is amazing. She has this amazing ability to just look down and find a treasure. Like, oh, wow. it's the weirdest thing. We go on vacation and we get to the place we're staying and she gets out of the car and there's a uh, big chunky, you know, rounded gravel mm-hmm. that's basically being used as mulch in a partition of the parking lot. 
and there's you know, a tree growing in the middle of it. And she like walks over there and glances down and pops up with a fossil. Nice. Just like boop, boop, there. <laughs> uh, I, I was I was with her and Fox and one of Fox's friends, and we were digging around in the Hawking River. And there's a big gravel bed that is one of the places where, you know, stuff gets deposited from being pushed and rolled by the river. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, silt and stuff gets stirred up and then laid there. So you get all kinds of neat old stuff. And the kid looked down and popped up with, with a, an old medicine bottle. Nice. And I was just like, hmm, see? There you go. You're always doing that. You're just always doing that. And yeah, we found some some really cool treasures for uh, uh, Chad and Tim to send home with them when Tim visited. Uh, I was like, hey, this came out of the river, and this is a piece of a brick that's from the old uh, in- asylum on the hill. And uh, yeah, Tim didn't want that one. He was like, nope. You can keep that one, Chad. <laughs> what? You don't want the haunted brick? Why not? I know, right? <laughs> Make brick dust out of it. I'm sure that would work for something. Yeah, I can think of quite a few things it would probably work for. Uh, but yeah, so she she just has this ability to just look down. Oh, look, there's a, a river oyster shell, and oh, it's still got its hinge. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, a crow feather. Oh, look. Yeah. Whatever. She's always finding stuff. That reminds me the other day I had um, this weird knowing, I guess, is the way to, to describe this. I was visiting my parents and I went to uh, open the door to the basement and I'm reaching for the handle. And in my head, I get this idea. It says there's going to be a snake on the other side. So I pause for a moment. And I'm like, OK, that's weird. Open the door. And I'm looking because at this point now I'm careful. I want to make sure there's no snake there. And I don't see anything except a little tiny piece of paracord. And I was like, okay, my dad was just moving stuff around and he dropped it and no big deal. Well, it turns out it was a little um, ribbon snake. Aw. Little tiny thing. But Cute it's just one of those guy. weird things. It's like almost a, a statement from the snake itself. Yeah. As it saw me approaching, it was like, hey, I'm here. Don't yeah. step on me. Yeah. Like, and totally, was, don't tread on me, dude. Like, yeah. no. You know? <laughs> and, and I told my parents about it, and my dad's like, oh, hey, that's cool. There was a, a it was a ring neck. I'm sorry, not a ribbon snake. It was a okay. ring neck racer. Um, apparently, there was a fairly large one under the porch, and it had had babies. Oh, so and this so this was one, one of the babies. That's so awesome. Yeah, I like I like harmless snakes. I'm not as fond of rattlers and uh, no uh, copperheads. Even though copperheads, you can usually just kind of go along, do your snaky thing over there. Just we're, I'm I'm not gonna mess with you. Rattlers can get kind of testy though. Yeah, that's why I'm never upset when I see a black rat snake, no matter how big it is. It's like these things, they eat the venomous ones. So yep. it's okay. Yep. That's exactly how I feel about them. Um, now, they'll still make me jump and possibly make a, a squeak like a little girl because they're so big and they're moving, you know. And for a second, it's like, oh, my God. You know, and like, this, yeah, is, re- <laughs> this is why I'm never going to Australia because, you know, 
they've got too many things there that are too scary and no no yeah they have birds there that want to kill you so i'll pass they have birds they have hunting spiders that kill birds and they have all the poisonous snakes in the world and and saltwater crocodiles yep they got crocs they got all these big great white sharks no there's just too much no oh and the box jellyfish Oh, I forgot about those. Those are terrible, too. There's just so many scorpions. No, no. (laughs) And then you jump over to New Zealand and there's nothing. I know. Weird. Very weird. It's probably, probably the, uh, they sent everything over (laughs) to Australia. (laughs) Just, just, you know, give it, give it to them. Just, we don't want, mm -mm, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I saw, I was, I was doing genealogy and I saw that one of my family members, uh, first off, that I have family on my mother's side, this name, their, their last name is Snape. And I was like, well, that's just, mm, okay, hmm. uh, <laughs> moving along. And uh, I also saw that two of, of this woman's sons, uh, one went to jail and the other went to Australia. I was like, so no, not only do they have the last name Snape, but criminal activity was occurring. I'm like, yeah, leave it to my family. Uh, you know, cause they, they gotta be dishonorable in some way or something. And, uh, I, I just, I was like, so somebody did make it to, to Australia. Now I wonder, you know, did they get there and get eaten by a bird or a snake or <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Because of like our family just does not have great luck. So <laughs> what? Well, what? I wouldn't be too concerned about them being criminals because at that time they were sending everybody to Australia that they could. Oh, I know. It it, it was it was a debt thing. Yeah. The figured, the one yeah. who went to jail was was actually a thief of some sort or another. Yeah, um, but the the tax thing they usually yeah. shipped people out. Yeah. Yeah, the the other one was a as a a debtor. So ah, let's not build debtors' prisons. We'll just give them to Australia. Well, could you imagine that? Like your brother, say, like murdered someone, and he goes to jail. You missed a payment on your taxes, and they're shipping you halfway across the world. To like, how how is this fair? (laughs) Yeah, and and that's a hell of a way to colonize something too. I mean, you generally you have a colony, and you you know want to colonize it in a colonizing kind of way, you know, not a, yeah. not a, I'm just going to send the flotsam and jetsam and just, you know, I'm just done with them. They, well, they can't live here. Yeah. It, I, and it's not like there weren't people already there. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's like, do we have to, can we not? Okay. Guess not. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I, I, I read that and was like, well, I guess Australia has some of my people there. I wonder if they turned out well, Uh, but who knows. Hmm. Uh, What kind of, uh, have you had any other strange, you know, happenings around you? I I really love the snake telling you, dude, don't step on me. Yeah. And that was a recent one too. I have all kinds of weird stuff. If I told all of them, we'd be here another two or three hours. Well, we but, can't do that, but you can always no. come back. Yeah, yeah. I know you're looking into strange light phenomena. Yes. 
So I have something that I meant to, I was going to tell you anyway, so might as well do it on the podcast. Excellent. This was, and I can tell you exactly where it was, what year it happened. It was at night. It was at an old Boy Scout camp. And I was there with a club from high school and we were having a, a camp out there. And we were walking up this old gravel road that looks over a field. And on the far side of the field, there is a tree line that's on a slight hillside, right? And it's not right. super steep, but it's enough that you, know, you can see above the fence line by the road to see the wood line. Mm -hmm. And we're walking back and it's night. It's a full moon and everything. So we're out there without flashlights. And we see this light on the wood line. And it stays completely level and it just travels the full length of the field and disappears. And it was white, blue, something. It was a very bright color. Mm -hmm. um, and we, I still, I remember standing there trying to figure out what this could have been. And we were talking out loud, me and my friends saying, okay, well, there's no noise, so it's not a four-wheeler. Wasn't bright enough to be a four-wheeler anyway. It was moving way too fast to have been someone with a flashlight. Right. And it stayed too level to have been a flashlight. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. a firefly. Even at a distance, it still would have shown up like yellow. Yes. And it didn't blink. Hmm. So it stayed solid the entire distance of the field. It wasn't a laser pointer because that was the wrong color. I don't know if you could even get a white or blue laser pointer to go that distance. And even then you would see it as it travels and hits the, the tree trunks. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. just like illuminate. Yeah. So, so that was a really strange one. So what year and was it, that? That would have been the 1999-2000 school year because I was a senior in high school. Okay. Wow. And I believe it was probably, I want to say it was early 2000 because it would have been after winter. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. And that area has all kinds of legends. There is, actually, I have a ghost story from that one too. The uh, There's a little old house that we would use there. And like that house is apparently haunted and I have firsthand experience with that. And there's the story of a witch that used to live in the ruins um, down the street where we were visiting. And this is all on this property that eventually became a Boy Scout camp. Huh. And it is on a very large outcropping of limestone. Oh. So all of this starts to tie together. It sounds like something that there might be a little bit more going on in this area. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got limestone, you've got uh, a ghost light, or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, one of the things about uh, those those weird little lights, when they're traveling in a straight line, it's either slower than a person mm -hmm. would walk, or faster. And they don't bounce, because that's the thing about someone holding a light. Right. Is, of course, you know, and when you said it was fast, I was like, I can imagine what it would look like if it was somebody jogging with a flashlight. <laughs> yeah. would, da, 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 da. You know, it would not be 
smooth at all. Well, that's uh, why everyone's first instinct was four-wheeler. Yeah. But yeah. even was not that. Even they they kind of, you know, because, of course, they're touching the the earth and, you know, the earth isn't perfectly flat. So they're going to, you know, bounce up and down a little bit. You know, that never occurred to me. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, you'd hear the noise. Yeah, that's why I ruled They're it out so early. There was no sound. So loud. So, but yeah, yeah. If it were out there, even if it were silent, it would still bounce with the contours of the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you had was something going from point A to point B on its business in the evening. And that's what it was. It was mm -hmm. something moving. I've, I've, my favorite thing that I have found that explains these things these weird lights is um, that they are bioluminescent owls. <laughs> okay. It's the stupidest thing that I've ever heard in my life, but that they supposedly have some sort of fungus on them. Oh, sure. That is bioluminescent on their feathers and, and they're white owls. So that means they're barn owls and they, they fly in a straight line and they glow and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I told that to Josh when I found it and I sent him the, the, you know, quote from the book and he was just like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah. I remember hearing him laugh about that on another show. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was the one who brought the goodness to him. <laughs> I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. One of the best possible real explanations I've heard was, and I don't even remember the name of the, the documentary I was watching, is um, bioelectric plasma generated through compression of limestone and quartz. Yes. Yes. And it was on some sort of science documentary I was watching, and it was in Scandinavia. I believe it was Norway they were studying this. It was either Norway or Sweden. Um, and they were, they were geologists studying it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, Hestelin, Norway, is one of the places that, that they've had geologists and physicists and, you know, all sorts of scientific people with tons of equipment set up, you know, and they catch it and they have spectrography and, and all of this. And one of the more sensible things has been plasma generated by the movement of quartz and limestone. Hmm. The problem is, is they they have other things that um, have been cited. So they have things like uh, they'll have glowing humanoid shapes. Oh, that, yeah, that's yeah, uh... yeah. <laughs> hmm. and mm, and sometimes the little light guys will kind of follow the the scientists to their bunkhouse, you know, where they stay when they're there. Well, see, that takes us back to the observation and the observation theory. It has to have humans to to manifest. Yeah, yeah. And then when it has humans to manifest, sometimes it follows them home like a puppy who's lost in the woods. <laughs> and these things happen. <laughs> but yeah, I, Josh and I are going to talk to somebody who's who's been there doing some of the studies and, and uh, you know, get some of these stories because there's... You know, there's so many possible explanations. None as good as the owls, but uh, <laughs> I find it so fascinating that just about every paranormal thing 
has something to do with lights. Yeah. And that's just amazing to me. So tell me about this ghost story before we go. I was wondering <laughs> if you wanted to get to that. Yeah, so, I did too. I did. <laughs> this is an entirely different camp out that was going on. So Ooh. I was there at the same location in this house. I was supposed to have been camping out in a tent that night, but I ended up getting a migraine. So this, this very small house had a second story attic area and there were a couple old cots and beds in there and they were covered with plastic like you do for uh, you yeah. know, like the 60s and 70s, the plastic covering, right? Yeah. So the owner allowed me to go up there and sleep on one of the cots because it was dark and, and dank and like he could keep other students from going up there and bothering me because right. he, he understood. Um, and I'm up there laying down and I've got the, a migraine to a point where I can't quite sleep. Yeah. But I don't want to be disturbed. And I hear the door to the attic open. I hear someone walk up the stairs, walk over to the bed, felt someone sit on the edge of the bed, heard the creaking of the plastic as if they sat down and they were watching me. I was turned away looking in the opposite direction and I didn't want to be disturbed. So I didn't, I pretended to be asleep basically. Right. And then they get up. I feel the bed shift again and I hear them walk down the stairs, but I never hear the door close. And I only realized that part after the fact, because later that night I got up and I went back down to the main area where everybody was camping out and having fun. And I was like, hey, I don't know who, who checked on me earlier. Um, I was still in a lot of pain. I didn't want to be disturbed. I was I was awake, but, you know, I was just pretending to be asleep. And the owner of the house looked at me and says, I was guarding the door. I wasn't allowing anybody to go up there and check on you. Nobody went up there. Oh, boy. <laughs> that and was not what a, you needed to hear. This is a small hear. home, too. This was, there was a kitchen a living room area and then basically two corridors leading from one to the other and then the stairwell going up to the attic that was wow it. and yeah there's um it's not the first time i've had something sit on the side of the bed as if it were checking on me but that one had the most visceral reaction that I could, you know, I could feel the bed, I could hear the plastic right. creaking, I heard the footsteps, the door, all of it. Yeah. So that was a very concrete uh, uh, encounter. Yeah. So whatever it was, whether it's always physical or not, was at least partly physical. Right. And I question whether it was, because like I said, this is not the first time I've had that happen. I question whether it wasn't something that follows me or if it was something that was at the house. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. So is the house haunted or were you haunted? Probably both. Yeah, it's generally I think that that's the case. And it could be another situation where because of the limestone and the, the terrain, it allowed whatever was following me to manifest. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like, I do like the idea that there is energy needed to manifest semi-physical form. 
Because, of course, these anomalous lights, until I took a photograph of one, for the longest time I was like, eh, they're mostly probably in our heads. Because mm-hmm. you know? some people can't see them. Um, Which is so bizarre. And they can be standing right next to me, and I'd be like, it's right there. You know? <laughs> You can't miss it. It's right there. And it's not just the lights. It's like that bird that your mother yeah. saw and you yep. saw a UFO. Same thing happens with Bigfoot. Yeah. Some people just cannot see it. So what's happening there? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but once I took photographs of them, you know, I, I started out with just, you know, holding my iPhone up so I can see. Can I see them through the camera? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I would see, oh, I can. And for the longest time, I didn't even, you know, I was like, I'm not going to take a picture of them because whatever it is, I don't want to get pissed off because it's like right up the hill from my house. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't take creepy pictures of your neighbors because you don't want to upset them. Right. But one night I did actually take a photograph. And what it what it taught me was, yes, there is light. There is something that is exuding some sort of photons right. out into the world. Um, the colors are different. Um, so something about the camera does not pick up what my eyes see exactly. Hmm. So there is probably some sort of either the lens is different or my perception is somehow different. And so it's somewhat telepathically enhanced or something. Yeah. Well, that Um, comes down to simply there's a different wavelength of light that you're perceiving as opposed to the camera. Yeah. Granted, that's a very scientific answer, but. But that still makes me think that, okay, so maybe there are people who can perceive different wavelengths of light through some unknown physical mechanism. Why not? There's people who can hear better than others. Like I can't hear if there are three or more people talking in my vicinity, but I can hear bats. Yeah. And not just like they're flapping wings. When no, they they're little voices. Locate, I can hear them. Yeah. Oh, that we have a story about that in this house. Fox for years has been saying, I hear something in that corner. Uh, and it's at our TV room and it's bats. I finally heard them like this year because we turned everything off. And of course, when we did that, they, they got quiet because, you know, (laughs) they knew that the noise went away. So, Ooh, maybe there's a predator here. So uh, we'll be quiet. But then they started talking again and, and I did finally very faintly hear it. Um, and, and the cats could hear it too, you know, oh, but, f- man. but for the longest time, Fox was like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you hear it? I'm not crazy. And I'm like, I know you're not crazy. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's not. I said, it probably has to do with the fact that mommy and daddy have old ears and, uh, daddy's been playing loud music for a really long time. <laughs> so that's probably why we can't hear it. Uh, but even even uh, Morgana couldn't hear it for a while. And, and so the kid was just like, why can only I hear it? It's, like, well, <laughs> it's okay, kid. I totally understand and I sympathize. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, welcome to my world. Only mine's usually seeing things, not hearing things. And yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Poor kid. Well, do you have anything else you want to pop out before we go? Because if we keep going, I'm going to ask you about other things. And yeah. I'm just going to have to come back. Yeah. Yeah. You're always welcome, as I say to everybody. I, I don't think I've ever not said it to anybody, um, which means I, I have all good guests. Yeah. So. Well, I still need to interview you about the Hera project. Yep. You do. You do. So, so. I'll, I will get with you then and you can always come back. I'll see if I can get Morgana too, because she, she would have a lot of fun with you. She always likes talking with other West Virginians and, and being like, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.